Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, Jason Negri. Jason received his master's degree from Franciscan University and got his law degree as a member of the inaugural class of the Ave Maria School of Law. He's now a practicing attorney, uh, treasurer of Hamburg Township in Michigan, member of Holy Spirit Church in Brighton, where he sings in the choir and chairs the parish council. He's also the founder and executive director of the Daniel Coalition, an organization of laity formed to advocate for victims of clerical sexual abuse in the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. He and his wife, Samantha, have five children and five grandchildren, two more on the way. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, yeah. sir. Um, it's good to see you again. We've known each other for many years and um, have cooperated on some projects in the past. Uh, you have this piece in Crisis Magazine called Synodality for the Rest of Us, which I, I thought was good. I thought it was provocative. There's been a lot. It, start, it leads out this way. There's been a lot of talk in the Catholic world over the past year on the concept of synodality, the idea of coming together and agreeing on a path forward by consensus rather than by diktat. And you dictate, and you refer to the bishops in Germany who have been so vocal uh, in this area. You've said, however, that, look, (laughs) what about a lay synod? Why shouldn't laity uh, come together in some national forum to begin to discuss uh, what has gone wrong? What we believe has gone wrong in the church, and uh, not we're not there to change doctrine. You point that out as well, but uh, you know this is a this is really a great idea. But let me ask you this: you you do it, what would consequences be? You know, well, I mean, you 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 point out the obvious elephant in the room, Al. Um, <laughs> I I will admit. I don't think that I have to have all the answers in order to observe right. that there's something wrong with the way we've been doing things right. and to point out and to suggest, as I've done in this article, that um, that there might be a, a way forward for us to, first of all, be responsive to to what, what the USCCB has, has said. It is precisely this path of synodality which God expects of the church of the third millennium. That That's a pretty stringent call. Yeah. Uh, that's right there in the document itself. And um, for us to say that that uh, synodality is the way forward, uh, I think that does impose at least uh, – it imposes a serious burden of at least reflection on us yeah. to consider that maybe this is what we should do. And why lay only? Why, why not involve priests or bishops? Um, I just think that it's time for us – you and I have had these conversations yeah. multiple times before – the co-responsibility of the laity for the church has to actually mean something. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not against priests. I love priests. <laughs> I love my pastor. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't look to them for uh, for guidance on living my Catholic faith. I can read. I can pray. Um, we've got fantastic examples of of, of saints throughout history who, sure. who were lay people. Um, I think there was a time in the history of our church when there was – uh, excessive deference given to members of the clerical caste, if you will. Uh, and and I think it's unhealthy for the church at large, and I know it's unhealthy for the priests themselves to be the objects of such deference and adulation. I, I think this is a, I mean, it's a great idea, and you're right. There's nothing, you don't have to have all the answers or be able to say what the consequences would be uh, before you got together. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this would be interesting. I don't know how it would be structured, you know, and I, I don't know if you've tried to work on the mechanics of this. Who oh, would be invited? Who who counts as laity? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. And some of the feedback that I've gotten from people across the country since this article was published uh, has started those creative juices flowing in those yeah. conversations with certain people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was looking, because I knew you were coming today, I went back and looked over some of my uh, underlines from the uh, decree on uh, laity from the Second Vatican Council. And let me see where I can find... I mean, there are very strong statements here about the importance of the laity. It leads off. The very first paragraph has this line in it. Indeed, the Church can never be without the lay apostolate. It is something that derives from the layman's very vocation as a Christian. Scripture clearly shows how spontaneous and fruitful was this activity in the Church's early days. Um, The need for this urgent and many-sided lay apostolate is shown by the manifest action of the Holy Spirit, moving laymen today to a deeper and deeper awareness of their responsibility, and urging them on everywhere to the service of Christ in the Church. I mean, that certainly entails the possibility of having a national gathering. I don't see exactly. what would militate against it. I think what's putting people off is the, is the idea that I'm, I'm using, and I'm deliberately using the word synod. Yeah. Because it's, it implies a level of officiality that like people that. aren't comfortable with. I, well, I like it. I, I think I for that very reason, I think it really forces the issue. It forces definition. It does. And it, it also... Uh, so it, we, we've not been able to find out, for instance, with the German uh, synod, we don't really know who counts there when they say we're listening to laity. We're not, we, we don't know the criteria uh, used to include laity. Right, and who are they? Which yeah. laymen are the listening and, to? And to me, that's one of the things that you have to ask. Who counts here? Um, you know, I, I am interested in Catholics who continue to call themselves Catholics, but they fail to show up at Mass. I am interested in knowing what's going on there. But I don't. They're not going to have the same um, standing. I would standing yeah. when it comes to uh, uh, decision making. But anyway, so I just think this is something. Well, now tell me, tell me what you're hearing from people as you talk talk about this. Um, well, some people are are interested. Some people are pointing out the obvious potential pitfalls. Which, okay, I, I know what those are. Yeah. Um, and I know they're there. Uh, people are asking me if I'm actually putting one together and if I am, you know, to make sure that they're invited. Um, <laughs> some, some good conversations I've had with, uh, with a, a colleague, a theologian colleague here in Michigan, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Monica Miller. Sure. Um, she and I have had a little bit of back and forth uh, on email. And um, she didn't suggest it, but in the course of that conversation, it made me think that, well, why, why wouldn't we or why couldn't we start this? on the local level, yeah. do a, a synod for the laity of the Diocese of Lansing, for example. And and depending on how it works, we tweak it for other dioceses that want to do the same thing. Uh, yeah, It's certainly more manageable than trying to pull something off nationally. Nationally, yeah, I agree. I think that's, I always like starting local. And I'm looking here for a, a quote from the uh, Second Vatican Council, and I don't, I had it, when you first came in, I had it identified and then we got to talk, and I turned the pages, and now I can't find it. But there's actually a passage in um, the uh, Decree on Laity in which uh, it is suggested that in dioceses, lay people get together. 
Oh. So I think okay. there's probably an immediate justification, or rationalization from, from the Second Vatican Council. Now, some people are going to say, we've seen something like this before. There was this We Are Church movement, right. from, which has its roots, I think, in the 70s. And I'm not sure what their standing is today. I, I, I don't follow them. Nor do I. But they, <laughs> they had the reputation of being in favor of uh, ch- changing doctrines. Uh, they, as I remember, and I'm glad to be corrected here, they sought the ordination of women. Uh, I, I think you're correct. I yeah. think those are the sorts of things. Well, those were the rallying cries, right? Yeah. That, that's why they got that's publicity. Why. That's why people came, because they thought that this was part of the post-Vatican II renewal in the yeah. church. Yeah. That doctrine was on the table for reformation. Right, right. Um, but no, and I, I address that squarely in, in my article. I don't intend for this to be in any way a challenge to doctrine. It's not our place to be uh, discussing that. I mean, we could discuss it, but have no expectation that anything's going to change. Right, right. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a role for the laity to get together to talk about uh, the, the issues that plague our church. It is our church, too. It's, yes. not, it's not just the bishops. It's not just the pope. Yeah. Um, you know, numerically speaking, there are far more of us than there are uh, ordained clergy. Yeah, it would be a funny-looking church without the laity. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> um, uh, tell me some of the things that you think should be on the agenda there. Um, you might be able to guess them, some of them, but right. I'd well, like I to mean, hear it from you. Uh, squarely uh, asking the questions regarding, for example, we're, we're still, I think, dealing with the fallout from uh, from the 2018 revelations regarding Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, um, and and asking the legitimate question: Who knew what about him when? Because there needs to be accountability for stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know the abuse crisis that that you and I have talked about so many times. Um, it still is being felt. And the, the damage is still out there. And part of that healing can't take place until we have some degree of accountability yeah. for, for who knew what. I, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, I was part of a um, symposium at Notre Dame, a friend of mine was putting on, dealing with how to uh, better handle our response to the abuse crisis, which is still having. Right. It's reverberating everywhere. Uh, and one of the participants in it was uh, uh, Dr. Helen Alvare. Who, oh, sure. who worked closely with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia in this field. And I, I asked her, I said, what do you think is the chance of there being uh, a definitive analysis, uh, the, the bishops cooperating with this, to tell us how the heck this happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and she, you know, she, when I, she was really very practical and said, uh, I don't think there's much of a chance. No. And I, I agree with Helen. Yeah. I, I don't think there is either. Yeah. But just because we don't think that there's going to be any practical effect from a synod of this sort doesn't mean it isn't a worthwhile endeavor to engage yeah. in. Just doing it is is itself a declaration, I think, yeah. of, of anti-clericalism in the best sense. And it gives us a chance to clarify and articulate the things that are, um, you know, we're sensing are not uh, not right. Right, exactly. And, and so, and I think one of the other things we need to, to be discussing is the concept of uh, of evangelizing a post-Christian culture. Yeah, very different. Yeah, very yeah, different. It is. Uh, I like to use the illustration of, you know, in the past, we would try to woo the unbeliever with the beauty of the faith, uh, you know, hope that we find a marriage there. Now, we're dealing with a, a society that considers itself uh, a, a hostile divorcee. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's funny you use that terminology because C.S. Lewis uh, exactly yeah. talked about that, that, that yeah. famous quote. He says, when people express their fear that England 
is relapsing into paganism, I'm tempted to reply, I wish she were. Because the pagan has shown himself to be eminently susceptible to conversion to Christianity, but the, the post-Christian man of our day differs from him as much as a divorcee differs from a virgin. Yeah. And that illustrates the example. We've got people inoculated with a little bit of Christianity, and they're now resistant to the gospel message completely. Yeah. There's got to be a different approach to, to reaching them. Yeah. Uh, obviously, liturgical matters would come up. Yes, I believe they you would. Know, and and that's that's very important, too. And there's been a, 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 a lay uh, movement for uh, discovery for more beauty mm-hmm. in liturgy. Right. Uh, so. Also a necessary conversation to be had. Yeah. Uh, we're out of time. Oh, too bad. But thank you. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, keep, let's keep talking on this. This was great. I'm really glad you wrote the article. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I hope that something actually emerges from this. I hope so, too. Thanks for having me in, Al. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Jason Negri, again, uh, he is uh, an attorney and uh, like the treasurer of Hamburg Township in Michigan. <laughs>